Welcome to the Valley Advocate Podcast, featuring interviews that take us deeper into the people and happenings on the local scene. For more podcasts and a closer look at what's going on in the Valley, visit us at valleyadvocate.com. Welcome to the Valley Advocate Podcast. My name is Dave Eisenstadter, editor of the Valley Advocate. This week we have a little something different. Our editorial intern, Jonathan Kerma, has his own experiences working on Third Shift and a story he worked on related to that. Here it is. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Hi, can I get um, three cheeseburgers and a small fry? It's 2 a.m. at this 24-hour McDonald's drive-thru when I place my order. Whether it be for a late-night snack after a long night of partying or studying, or calling the police to handle an emergency in the wee hours of the morning, you've probably interacted with a third-shift worker, employees working between 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. at some point. But have you ever taken the time to ponder the life of that person working nights serving you at 3 a.m.? According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, 3 million Americans work the graveyard shift as a means of income. I asked the McDonald's graveyard shift worker what's the craziest order he's received after the hours of midnight. I don't know, like, uh, like 50 chicken nuggets and like 15 McChickens and a bunch of fries. <laughs> I'm Jonathan Kerma, and this is The Night Show. Looking into the eyes of that young McDonald's worker, I recognized a glossy look that I personally am more than used to. I myself worked the graveyard shift of 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. less than a year ago. Due to unfortunate circumstances, going into my junior year of college, I was forced to take a break from school and work a full-time job to pay for my apartment. Me being a bit of a night owl at the time, elected to work as a third shift worker at my local 24-hour gas station, Cumberland Farms. How bad could it be, right? Working night jobs always seemed normal to me. While growing up, my stepfather worked nights as a corrections officer. He left the house around the time I went to bed every night and was back in the morning in one piece. He wasn't necessarily stepfather of the year, but we seemed to have an unspoken mutual understanding. If I didn't bother his sleep, he wouldn't bother me. We didn't have the let's play catch on the front lawn type relationship, but we didn't have the You're not my dad relationship either. While my relationship with my stepfather remained pretty neutral, his relationship with my mother clearly took a toll on her. He slept all day, and when he was awake, he didn't spend much time talking or providing emotional support. Recently, my mom filed for a divorce, and while I can't put all the blame on my stepfather's night job, it definitely didn't help strengthen the marriage. When working a night job of my own with Cumberland Farms, I couldn't help but notice me turning into my stepfather. I would sleep any moment I could and would never be able to enjoy the present with anxiety and anger over my shift coming that night. My inverted sleep schedule even made it more difficult to enjoy days off. Slowly I felt myself becoming more and more isolated, only speaking to my roommates when spoken to. Some nights I still find myself aimlessly up at 5am, much like I was when I came up with this project. Night jobs aren't new to this century, or even the previous one. According to the Library of Congress, shift work can be traced back to at least the 1800s. Before labor unions attempted to limit work shifts to eight hours in 1866, factory owners could work their employees whenever and however long they wanted. Even after the union strikes of the time, working conditions remained pretty harsh until 1933 when Congress enacted the National Industrial Recovery Act. With all these working conditions put in place, incentive pay was also put in place for overtime work exceeding 40 hours per week. 
This resulted in the first, second, and third shift work schedule often seen today in the working world. Now let's move back to the present day and talk to the other third shift workers and see if similar problems occur in their daily lives that I once experienced. To get things started, I went back to Cumberland Farms to talk with my former co-workers I hadn't seen in months. I also reached out to Cumberland Farms Corporate, but they declined the interview. We're going in. How you doing? When I finally walk in Cumberland Farms, I'm greeted by my former co-worker Daniel, who asked we withhold his last name over employment concerns. He's 22 years old and has been working overnight at Cumberland Farms for over a year. He's behind the register and while he greeted me with a smile, it looks uneasy and almost forced. We chatted up and I asked him how the night's going. Well, I haven't gotten much done because it's very busy. I end up stuck at the register for a long amount of time, so I've only done a couple of the items off of our like 24 item checklist. Um, it took me four hours. Third shift at Cumberland Farms includes the responsibilities that are often done when stores close. Overnight workers are given a checklist and are expected to get all of it done while still assisting late night and early morning customers. If a bunch of drunk college kids come in at 3 a.m. wanting fried mac and cheese bites, you drop everything you're doing and make those mac and cheese bites. I talked to Krista, the other Cumberland Farms employee working tonight during her smoke break, to elaborate on the task she gets done every night when working. Like Daniel, she asked we withhold her last name over employment concerns. Let's see, there's the temp log that has to be done before midnight. Uh, there's 12 pots of coffee I either have to clean. I have to clean eight of pots of coffee, brew 12, um, which now just got increased to 14 wow. because it's summer, getting spring in the summer. Um, there's the counters we have to clean, the drains we have to clean, the floors to clean, sweep and mop. Uh, bathrooms definitely have to be sparkling now. Um, we have two ovens we have to clean. She continued reading off the tasks on the list for another minute and a half. Some tasks include restocking drinks in the freezing cold coolers for hours at a time, and others include manager duties. It should be noted that Krista is not a manager, but has been working at Cumberland Farms for over 13 years. In those 13 years, she's seen it all. One person died in our bathroom. Wow. In and, the men's room. And how did you we, handle that? We, uh, my coworker needed a bathroom, so we were like, well, if somebody's in there, let's give them like another 10 minutes, you know, maybe they're having difficulties or falling asleep. Sorry. Difficulties or falling asleep. Um, so we waited 10 minutes, we knocked. A response never came. Krista called their manager as well as the police. Once the police arrived, you would assume the store was shut down, right? No, they only shut down half the store. We were still able to get customers. Cumberland Farms is open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, aside from the night of Christmas Eve. According to Krista, the only circumstances at which the store closes would be a fire or a robbery. Krista personally doesn't work on Halloween. Um, the reason why I don't work Halloween, except like mid-shift, is because I get really fearful around people who wear masks. On Halloween a few years back, Cumberland Farms was robbed while Krista was working third shift. But they had come in. I thought my other co-worker was there to handle it. I was busy doing something else. They approached me, led me to the register, had to call the cops, manager, etc. For Krista, that was just another night at Cumberland Farms. 
Massachusetts. Did you go right back to work right after that? Yes, I did. I went back to work and was just fine about it. I wasn't scared off of it, you know. Yeah. Um, it was fine. Krista rarely misses a shift. Unless she's severely sick, she works her typical five nights and 40 hours per week. She rarely says no to any additional shifts for overtime pay. In her 13 years, she's seen plenty of faces come and go, including a change in management. Even with the change of staff, little has changed for her. It's really been stayed the same throughout the last 13 years because even though we get a new manager, there's new procedures I have to go through. Um, basically, everything is, stays the same because I have a routine of how I'm going to progress the night. Um, sometimes it changes, it varies on who I'm working with, whether they've got it down or I have a new co-worker that's not really that strong. I leave Krista alone to enjoy her smoke break in peace. As I head back inside the store, I begin to ponder, why is third shift so understaffed compared to other shifts that often have at least three workers as opposed to two? The simple answer is because it's less busy at night. But if you pull up to the Amherst Cumberland Farms at 2 a.m. on the weekend, the long lines of drunk college kids looking for grub wouldn't validate this misconception. Krista finishes up her smoke break and comes in soon after me and continues working on the checklist with Daniel. Daniel's more than ready to go on his half-hour break and Krista begins to notice his frustrations. Minutes later, Krista gives Daniel the okay to go on break. He tends to spend his break driving as a means of escape, so I go along with him to get his perspective of overnight shifts. Daniel, much like me, found himself in a financial rough patch, forcing him to drop out of college and enter the working world. I got into night jobs because I was staying up late for a while, and I thought it wouldn't be a big deal to just work a night shift since I stay up late. So I started working at Walmart for the remodel crew I did like overnight all summer and that was pretty that was that was pretty rough but I mean that was only a few months um, so I thought I could keep handling it so I went to Cumbies and applied for overnight to make sure that I could actually get a job like I knew that that was more high in demand so I mean after like a year of working overnights it just it's it's too much it's too much yeah. While Daniel was used to staying up pretty late, he wasn't prepared for the difficulties that came along with working until 7 a.m. every night. Unlike Krista, Daniel's sleep schedule didn't improve over time. It arguably got worse. It, like, I never know when I'm able to sleep. Like, I can, I'll, sometimes I hit the hay right when I get home. Sometimes it, it takes me until afternoon. Uh, it's just all over the place. Before it was at least, like, relatively consistent. Now it's just completely chaotic. Sleep wasn't the only change he noticed when working overnights. He noticed himself drifting further from friends and family. Do you feel like uh, the change to third shifts affected your personal life? Um, yeah. I think that once, I, I mean, when I had a lot of more free time or had a more normal schedule, like first shift, I was able to see my friends a lot more. I was able to be a lot more connected to people close to me, but now it feels like I have to put in a ridiculous amount of effort just to like maintain basic relationships. Even basic things like replying to text messages became a struggle for Daniel with his unusual schedule. 
working third shift often put him in the tough predicament of choosing between sleep or a social life. I can either see my friends who think that I'm dead, <laughs> I can like hang out with them and see them for the first time in weeks, or I can sleep and not be miserable at work. It's like I have to make that decision. Fortunately for Daniel, he has a supportive girlfriend who is more understanding of his unusual schedule. On days that he works, she will often come over to wake him up and check on him. But even with an understanding significant other, the overnight work puts a strain on the relationship. I bring up how isolated I felt when working at Cumberland Farms, often irritable and not wanting to speak to anyone during the day. Daniel instantly relates. I felt the same way when I was working. I would just be like, I would wake up and I wouldn't want to talk to anybody for like, at least give me two hours. Right? Silence. Right? Nice. Like my girlfriend would call me. I'm like, I should be happy to hear it from you, but I'm so mad and I don't know why. Yep. Like, why am I so mad? Yep. As Daniel's break draws closer to an end, our conversation then shifts from the struggles of maintaining a personal life to times in which we felt unsafe working at night. I tell him a story about a schizophrenic man I caught stealing cigarettes from the store. Daniel then begins to share some of his stories. Well, fights have broken out. That's happened multiple times. Um, most of the time they take it outside. I don't usually try and get involved. There was one time someone was extremely drunk and was being threatening to customers in the parking lot and cornering them and screaming at them and I had to go out and instigate because people were literally like trapped in their cars. The stories don't stop there. I've had to call the cops for a guy who is drinking Listerine straight out of the bottle and telling me about how his mom didn't love him enough. From my experience, situations like these are not uncommon. There, some, sometimes there are like weeks where we'll just be calling the cops almost every night because it's just crazy. Like some, those are like two of countless examples. I couldn't even. Some of them I just feel bad talking about because they're just sad and they're like there's a lot of mentally ill people who come out at night. This statement by Daniel really made me start to think beyond Cumberland Farms. If your everyday overnight workers were dealing with the mentally ill and occasionally robberies, what must first responders be seeing every night? And how is the duress affecting them? If a Cumberland Farms employee experiences duress, the worst that can happen is a bad experience with a customer. But for a first responder, the result could be the difference between life and death. To find out how first responders handled arrests, I went to the Amherst Police Station. Unfortunately, the police declined to speak to me on the record, but they did allow me to go on a ride along with two different officers. The job is unpredictable. Even on a more mellow Friday night, the action doesn't stop for the police. From the passenger seat of the police car, I witnessed officers escort someone out of a local bar per request of the owner, track down the owner of an illegally parked car, and assist in placing a drunk, incapacitated homeless man into an ambulance, which looked much more difficult than it sounds. To get the perspective of a first responder on the record, I spoke with Amherst Firefighters Local 1764 Union President, Matthew Spazito. While firefighters don't work typical third shift hours, their atypical work schedule still leaves some concerns. It should also be noted that the Amherst Town Hall is aware of these concerns, according to Amherst Assistant Town Manager, David Ziomek. So in Amherst, we work on an eight-day rotating cycle, um, so it's non-traditional. 
where we work a 24-hour shift on, 24-hour shift off, 24-hour shift on, and then five days off. Uh, and then based on our current staffing levels, there is a need for what's known as a holdover where the shift coming on in the morning is not up to the minimum of seven. So an individual from the previous shift needs to be held over against their will uh, to maintain that, that staffing level. These holdovers aren't just for an hour or two. Um, we can only be scheduled to work up to 38 hours consecutively before we need to be released. So you could be there for almost 40 hours uh, before you would have to go home to be to be able to recuperate. And if that happens on the day in between your two 24-hour shifts, you have 10 hours to come back and uh, recover for the next 24, where it could very possibly happen again. Fortunately for the fire station staff, when they aren't answering calls, they are able to get some rest on the job. Uh, so we do have work beds uh, that we are able to occupy from the hours of 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. when a, a tone goes off and we get woken up. Uh, in order to to re have our shift change at 7 a.m. Um, but during that time, we're up for whatever call is going on. Uh, if additional resources are needed, the rest of the station comes out to help. Uh, and it's a very truncated uh, amount of rest. So. The Amherst Fire Department receives an average of about 18 calls per day, which averages out to a call every hour and 20 minutes. Even if it isn't your turn to answer the call, the fire station alarm is so piercing that sleeping through it isn't an option. It's rare that firefighters receive the needed sleep to fully recover when working. While firefighters and paramedics save lives every day, they're not superheroes. They're still human, and fatigue can take a toll when working extended hours. Yeah, sometimes uh, <clears throat> when when you're working at night, um, based on the amount of calls, you can end up kind of getting into a cycle where your your brain's wanting to be in rest mode, uh, and and you're just not quite ready to process all the information, and and it takes a, a couple seconds to to really figure out where you're going, what you're doing, what you need to be doing. Um, so there, there is some significant lag uh, sometimes when you're, when you're trying to be up all hours of the night. According to Esposito, more than anything, an understaffed fire department can be blamed for nearly all of the issues that come with the current construction of the job. On top of the duress that can come from working 24 hours straight or more, the increased workload due to the insufficient staffing magnifies the risks. I asked Esposito if he thinks there are solutions to these issues. Uh, I think that as far as convenience, there, there's no way to do it. We're a 24-hour uh, service. We're, we're open 365 days a year, and, and we're more than happy to, to make those sacrifices uh, for the community. Uh, it's what we signed up for. Uh, we knew what we were getting into when, when we signed up um, to some extent. But, um, you know, we're a 24-hour service, and, and we need to be there for the community, so there's no way to, to shut down the station for a period of time or or anything. Um, the biggest call is to, to have the appropriate staffing levels. To get a better idea on how sleep deprivation from working nights can affect the brain, I took to the UMass Amherst Life Science Laboratories. 
I am Rebecca Spencer. I'm an associate professor of psychological and brain sciences, and my specialty is sleep and sleep function. In my time with Dr. Spencer, she gave me a tour of her sleep labs where she studies test subjects overnight when they sleep. We then sat down and discussed the effects of sleep and lack of sleep on humans. Right. So there's two things that happen, right? There's there's deficits from sleep deprivation, and then there's benefits from having sleep. And the deficits from sleep deprivation we're all very aware of because we've all had some level of sleep deprivation. So we become really inattentive. As that grogginess sets in, it's really hard to focus. It's hard to attend to things. It's hard to remember things because you, you're just not encoding new information. But if uh, if you have sleep, so the acute effect of sleep, the benefits of sleep, are things like um, enhancing your immune function. Um, there's uh, things like... Um, cardiovascular effects, so it improves your overall health. Um, it also influences your choices, so a sleep-deprived person is apt to choose unhealthy foods versus a well-rested person orients towards more healthy food choices. Um, but also we know, and what we show in our own work, is that sleep is when you consolidate memories. It also then supports good decision-making. It helps you have creative, creative moments. Um, so all in all, there's these active functions of sleep that are really good, but there's also these, um, this dysfunction that we have when we have a lack of sleep. No matter how greatly trained an overnight worker or 24-hour first responder may be in their line of work, the effects of deprivation are unavoidable if you're missing the mark on your body's needed sleep. While it's commonly believed that we need eight hours of sleep a night, Dr. Spencer explained to me how it's not that simple. Seven to eight hours a night is based on the averages but your personal sleep need is based on genetics. For some, they may need much more. For some lucky others, they may need much less depending on their genes. So while seven to eight is a good average goal, everybody needs to kind of discover that for themselves. The best way to discover what your sleep need is is to take a two-week vacation and then see how much um, sleep you have at the end. And I say two weeks because that's about how long it takes to wash out the sleep deprivation that you probably have. According to Dr. Spencer, lost sleep can't simply be recovered the next night. To reap the benefits of sleep, consistency is the key. It's super important. So there was actually a study done somewhat recently that looked at um, the relationship between sleep and performance. And as much as we think of that as being driven by how long you sleep, the interesting finding was that it was more driven by how variable your sleep is. So the people that performed worse were those that were going, you know, four hours a night, six hours a night, and then binge sleeping later for like 12 to 14 hours a night. That is what predicted worse sleep more so than total sleep time. When working third shift, four nights a week, I found it nearly impossible to develop a consistent sleep schedule. Like Daniel, I never knew when I would be able to sleep. On mornings after I worked, I would attempt to fall asleep as soon as I got home, sometimes successfully, other times not so much. And when I had a day off, I would attempt to sleep as long as I could at night, only to further complicate my sleep pattern. So we know that sleep is driven by two things. It's driven by that circadian rhythm. I biologically have this drive to go to sleep at, say, midnight. But it's also driven by a second process, which is more like a thermostat. The longer it's been since I slept, the easier it's going to be for me to fall asleep. 
So when you're sleeping counter to your circadian rhythm, say seven in the morning instead of 11 at night, I'm gonna have some sleep pressure driven because it's been my thermostat, it's been a long time since I slept, but I'm gonna not have quite as much sleep pressure as I would if that was aligned with my circadian rhythm. Having Sleeping when you have less sleep pressure makes you wake up more. So usually if you try to sleep during the middle of the day, no matter how sleep deprived you are, you're probably gonna have more awakenings. You're going to be restless. You're going to have arousals. It makes your, we call that sleep efficiency. So how much sleep did you get within the bout? The percent of the time you actually spent asleep is usually less than if you had slept overnight within your circadian, matched to your circadian rhythm. Some days I would even attempt to split my sleep schedule and give myself time for errands and a social life during the afternoon. According to Dr. Spencer, this only complicates things even more. So I always say, Sleep, get, some sleep is better than no sleep, right? Course, so I think that that pattern is better than nothing. But we do know your sleep becomes less efficient that way. Because every time in each of those three hour bouts, you basically have to restart your sleep cycles. So you lose a bit of time going, falling into sleep. You lose a bit of sleep time coming out of sleep. And if you think of that in terms of the sleep stages that your body needs to go through at night, you're not gonna get as much of them because you kind of wasted time in some of these transitions. With the many factors that come with overnight work, like sleeping outside of your circadian rhythm, inconsistent sleep, and managing daytime responsibilities, it becomes nearly impossible to receive all the benefits that come from sleep, and more likely than not, the effects of deprivation will rear their head the longer you work overnight. Sleep deprivation on the job can have dangerous results. Take truck driving, for example. According to the book Counting Sheep, The Science and Pleasures of Sleep and Dreams by Paul Martin, sleeplessness is a factor in at least 50% of fatal crashes in which a truck driver is killed. Extreme cases of sleep deprivation have been tested in the past. In 1959, disc jockey Peter Tripp attempted to stay awake for 200 hours for charity. In 1964, Randy Gardner set the record for days without sleep with 11 days. Both men experienced similar symptoms during the experiments. And what's interesting is even though physically they seemed awake during parts of this, they were showing signs of being asleep. So they were going through um, 90 minute cycles of hallucinations, which means they were basically getting REM sleep while awake. So your body is basically eventually gonna drive you into that sleep state, which is really dangerous. Both men also showed heavy signs of irritability during the test. I can't help but compare their irritability to that of my stepfather, Daniel, and me to lesser extents. How could sleep-deprived irritability affect a first responder? Is it possible that a firefighter could make the wrong call in a life-or-death decision after groggily answering a call in hour 22 of a busy shift? These are all questions worth at least asking. This is supposed to be the part of the documentary where I provide solutions to the issues that come with shift work, and I'll be honest. I spent months on this project and I'm still struggling for an answer. Would increasing the number of shifts in the work cycle from three to four and splitting up overnight duty solve anything? Would incentive pay for work between midnight and 6 a.m. compensate for not only harsh working conditions, but harsh living conditions and increased health risks? I don't have the answers to these questions. What I do know is sites like webform.org, The Atlantic, and WebMD have produced articles about how bad overnight work is for your health, especially when working overnights for five years or more. Something needs to be changed at the federal level, but I don't have that kind of power. What I do have is some night shift survival tips from Dr. Spencer for third shift workers to wrap things up. 
When sleeping during the day, get your bedroom to peak darkness. Cool down when it's time for bed. Ease up on the coffee and soda. And the final words of advice come from my former coworker Daniel. Quite simply put, work hard to get out as soon as possible. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to visit us at valleyadvocate.com. Thank you.